I love these conversations because it's not only allowing me to learn about their own stories and, and what they've gone through and kind of how they've transformed their careers, their livelihoods, but it's inspiring me to one day when the time is right, when the place is right, to go off and, and do that as well. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs, boutique hotels, and hospitality brands, and the hosts, operators, and entrepreneurs who have brought them to life. Every Tuesday and Friday, you'll meet the military veterans, the retired flight attendants, tech entrepreneurs, the school teachers, the single moms, and the real estate investors who are all, in their own unique ways, shaping the future of travel and hospitality. Discover how these visionaries from all over the world have built chic cabins in the mountains, designed bohemian bungalows on the beach, erected eclectic off-grid and nature-immersed escapes, and so much more. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Spontaneous, the internet's best destination for last-minute Airbnb deals. You can subscribe for free at Spontaneous.com. And I'm your host, Zach Cruz, co-founder and CEO of Spontaneous. All right, friends, enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, I'm pumped to quickly tell you a little bit about StayFi, our sponsor for today's episode. StayFi makes it easy to collect data from and market to every single person staying in your short-term rental. StayFi lets you create a custom-branded Wi-Fi splash page similar to what you might experience when logging onto the Wi-Fi network at your favorite coffee shop. This means that you can collect the name, email address, and phone number from every guest staying with you, not just the one who booked. Because, let's be honest, who doesn't need to use the Wi-Fi? Learn more about StayFi in about 15 minutes from now or pause the episode right now and head on over to StayFi.com and be sure to use the discount code BTS, as in behind the stays, at checkout for 50% off your first three months. If you talk to a StayFi team member, just reference behind the stays and they will honor this discount. Oh, and if you haven't already listened to it, check out episode 47 of Behind the Stays where I interview Arthur Kolker, who's the founder and CEO of StayFi. He's an incredibly smart dude. There's a lot to learn from him. All right, guys, on to the episode. In just a moment, you'll meet Molly Reese, the host of the popular Stay In Good Company podcast and an experienced community builder who has spent her career working with leading brands across the food and beverage and events and hospitality industries. Having recently left the world of corporate burnout and the hustle and bustle of city living behind for a slower way of life, Molly has set out to pursue personal passions in travel. Throughout her journey, she is in search for authentic stories to share, she's curious about different cultural experiences, and she's inspired to curate a community who, like her, seeks to be in good company. In this episode, Molly and I discussed lessons she learned while working for brands like Anheuser-Busch, True Food Kitchen, and a couple of startups in hospitality, Molly's thoughts on how the next generation of travelers will discern where to go and where to stay, her hot takes on how the next generation of travelers think about loyalty programs, the biggest opportunities she sees for folks to build successful brands and businesses in, in the space, and also what she thinks the next generation of boutique hoteliers just might look like. All right, friends, without further ado, get ready to meet Molly. All right, Molly, we are live. Welcome to Behind the Stays. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, I am just totally excited for this conversation because it has happened before, but it doesn't happen often. 
where I get to interview uh, another podcaster. So like, I feel like there's this elevated pressure because you're like, oh, you, you know, you, you you see me, you can see through my BS, right? Uh, uh, as an interviewer. And so I, I'm a little nervous for this conversation, but I'm, but I'm mostly excited because I've been following your story a little bit from the distance, but don't know much about who you actually are and what you actually do. So thanks so much for, uh, for making the time to chat with me. Of course. No, I'm used to being on the other side of the mic. So likewise, a bit nervous, but excited to be able to share my story as well. Well, wonderful. Um, so I, I want to get started by asking you just a totally random question, which is a question I ask folks from time to time that come on the show. Not everybody, but anytime I feel like they're, someone might have a good answer, I like to ask them this question. And based off of like our, our limited email exchange, I thought, oh, Molly might have a good answer to this. But my question for you is, when you were 10 years old, if somebody were to come up to, to Molly Reese and say, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? What, what would you have said? Mm. You're right. Mine's probably a pretty unique answer. Um, I, was, I was practically born dancing. I learned to walk on the, the tiptoes of my feet. I started dancing when I was the age of four. So wow. I think that by age 10, I wanted to either be a radio six, Radio City Rocket. Okay. Uh, so one of those kick line dancers in New York City. Um, but I don't think I was tall enough. So then that quickly became uh, something not possible. And then um, I was also very into Irish dance. I was a competitive huh. Irish dancer and traveled all around the world with my two younger sisters competing and performing. So I would say at that time, when my height of Irish dance, I would, would have wanted to be a river dance uh, dancer. So Michael Flatley, kind of that Irish dance, wow. um, kind of iconic show that a lot of people are familiar with. Yeah. It, it's so funny. Uh, first of all, that's su super cool. <laughs> um, and what, like, what a crazy, amazing experience to have as a young child to be, you know, go all over the world and, and, and get to perform. I'm sure that, that, you know, you had to be very disciplined and there were maybe in hindsight as an adult, you're like, huh, you know, was that really healthy and great for me? But like, what a, what a cool experience. Nevertheless, my wife's uh, best friend is actually, was actually um, uh, huge into to Irish dance uh, back in, back in high school. And, and I mean, she started very, very young and also mm -hmm. competed nationally and whatnot. Um, and I, I've never actually like seen a performance though. I have to admit, I, I like, I, I feel like, I feel like so ill-equipped to ask a follow-up question because I, I don't know much about Irish dance. Um, other than I hear it's cool and the, you know, people like you who have done it seem cool. So uh, maybe, maybe after this podcast, I'll have to go do some YouTubing and, 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 and watch some of the pros. <laughs> uh, I will tell you, it, it takes a few drinks on St. Patrick's day to get me to, to do it again. But uh, other than that, no, I, I did appreciate like kind of looking back. It was that dedication, like you said, like the, the practice, the poise, the confidence that it gave me that I'm, you know, yes, I'm not a teacher now and I don't perform, but it still gave me a lot in what I do do today. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. I, I always think it's like really cool talking to people who as, as kids had to do something like hard and, and, and competitive, right? Mm -hmm. I, obviously childhood isn't, isn't easy for most people, but it's, it's a whole, um, it's a whole like you know, different level to, to have really kind of like performed in, in the spotlight at such a young age. Right. And, and before your brain is even fully developed, like you're, you're again, like you are the star of the show. Right. And <laughs> what that does to your psyche, I, you know, I, I can only imagine, but, uh, I, I do find that people that hustled, if you will, early, uh, and, and young 
tend to tend to have tend to be like great entrepreneurs tend to be great you know uh uh leaders and, and managers um mm -hmm. because they learned hard work you know right. at, at an age that most of us that most of us are still like you know fiddling with like you know our, our coloring books or or <laughs> our video games or, or or what have you so what right. what a cool experience yes yes it was <laughs> well i uh I've got loads of questions for you. Um, you're a podcast host, and I want to talk about your podcast. Uh, you have recently, though, you've left uh, kind of corporate hospitality and and food and beverage specific jobs to kind of do your entrepreneurship thing, uh, you know, uh, and, and figure out like what that business should look like, could look like. You're dabbling in content. You're experimenting with with lots and lots of different travel opportunities. So. I, I want to go back though, and I want to hear a little bit about your experience working in food and beverage for brands like Anheuser Busch, True Food Kitchen, and then you know a couple of startups in this space. What what inspired you to to get into hospitality to begin with, and and what's like a lesson or two you learned during your time working for these these large brands that mm -hmm. you carry with you as you pursue more entrepreneurial efforts? Mm -hmm. No, that's that's a great question. So. Just going back before my career, even I'm the oldest of four kids. So I think that, uh, that kind of hospitality is in my nature. Mm. I, I love hosting. I love, uh, putting on a dinner party, um, having friends over that type of thing. Uh, but then I, I went to business school to study marketing. And so I've always had that, again, that creative edge, mm. I think whether that was through dance or later in my life, expressing it through, through marketing and creative that's where I've really found my passion. And so I was fortunate to start my career with Anheuser-Busch and then um, transition on to a few other companies. And what was great about starting in the corporate world is that you, I was a part of a, a management program. So I was able to learn from great leaders, get access to wonderful agencies and mm. career development. And I was trusted with a lot of work, a lot of budget early on in my career that allowed me to, you know, have the support of these broader organizations to learn fast, to fail fast. Mm. And I think that it was such a, a blessing to have been able to work for these big creative houses, yeah. um, you know, early on in my career, working on Super Bowl commercials, wow. traveling the country, hosting events, going to tournaments, festivals, putting on all these big productions. And I, I thrived. I loved it, but it also took a toll on me. Mm. And so I found that, you know, throughout a, a lot of my early career, I was, again, I was hustling. I lived in New York city. I would spend all day in the office and then I would go and throw these events out in LA on the weekends. So I'd be taking a red eye back to the office Monday morning just to do it again. Wow. And so it was the thrill of it was, was there when I did it. And again, meeting certain athletes and celebrities, other professionals was, was amazing. And of course, you know, the, the drinks flew naturally uh, <laughs> as well, but no, I, th I think that it got to a point where I was traveling all over the country and I wasn't actually experiencing the places I was going to. Mm. I would, go to neat, amazing cities like Austin and Chicago and Boston and Houston and Phoenix and LA, you know, all these neat cities, but I would be there quickly for an event. I wouldn't get to meet the local people. I wouldn't get to taste the local food. I was yeah. in and out. I was lucky if I could have a snack bar while I was, 
you know, putting together some sort of set production. And so I realized, you know, I, I wasn't really getting to enjoy the cultures Mm. that I was wanting to experience during those travels. And so I think, you know, eventually I've always been an entrepreneur, entrepreneur by heart and spirit. I've always wanted to do my own thing, to build my own brand, to have my own story. And so I think it just finally got to a point where I felt like I had learned everything. I'd built all the connections that I could, and I was ready to go and take those practices, but do it on my own and actually slow down a bit. I think the pandemic came at a wonderful time in my life in the sense that I was so burnt out and I was living in a studio apartment with my fiance, like a 500 square foot. We both were, you know, on top of each other. Um, I was taking conference calls from the bathtub just to like have my own space. And I realized, you know what, I, I need to, I need to do my own thing. I need to slow down. I need to appreciate the places and the people that I visit. Wow. And that's where we are. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, I, I have to go back and ask, is there like a favorite celebrity that you've met? You know, I will tell you, I, I'm not a fangirl. I try okay. and I pride myself on that. I'm not one to, I guess, build people up in that, in that yeah. way, in my mind, yeah. I try not to to scream or cry or anything. I just <laughs> see them as, as people. Um, I would say one of the most genuine people that I've worked with on a Super Bowl commercial was Chris Pratt. Oh, um, wow. He was just very true to himself huh. and willing to be a, a person just right back to you. Um, yeah. a, a, another one is Brooks Kepka. Um, I met him way before he became, you know, the best golfer in the world. Yeah. And we believed in him early on when I was working with Michelob Ultra and, and signed him on. And so I got to see his career kind of develop and stay kind of true and and humble in that regard of, we believed in him from the beginning. And so he appreciated that. And so, uh, we've always had just that good rapport from then on. Yeah. Oh, very cool. (laughs) Wow. That, that's amazing. That, That kind of confirms, what I've thought of both of them. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I'm glad to hear that. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause, cause you never know, you never know what people are like, but you know, b- behind Instagram or behind the camera, oh, there are others that <laughs> I cannot say the same for, but I, I won't yeah. r- spoil anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. So what, what an incredible experience. So you're, so you're working here. I, I do also have to say, so, uh, I was stalking you on LinkedIn last night and, um, mm-hmm. you worked, uh, for, for a bit at, at Kena, which was David Friedberg's company, which I'm a mm-hmm. huge David Friedberg fan. Mm-hmm. And I know that the company ended up you know, dissolving, dissolving, um, and and whatnot pretty, pretty quickly after it started. But like, what a cool concept. I just, one quick question here. Like, what was that experience? Like, like you guys were building something truly like unique and revolutionary. And then again, quickly kind of just, it it kind of collapsed. But, um, what, 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 what was that experience like? That was definitely a thrill. And that was kind of my first foray into the startup environment. And it was Silicon Valley. Like it was everything you, would have wanted for a startup experience. Um, so yes, it was a stealth company that was just coming out of stealth mode. Uh, I was one of the, I was their first marketing hire and we were essentially building this brand to launch and it was really neat. Again, the leadership was excellent there, just the connections that I made and it was on almost too good to be true. Like when I first joined the company, I was like, this product can't exist. Like it, it just, <laughs> I need to see it to believe it. Yeah. And I, even though I was a remote worker, I flew to San Francisco. I, I saw it, I worked the machine, I tasted the product and it was, it was amazing. Um, it was a really neat beverage concept where it was like a countertop, uh, beverage machine that could make any sort of drink, hot, cold, alcoholic, non-alcoholic, sparkling still. 
and it was, it was really neat because it allowed you to really create what you wanted and customize what you want, um, kind of in that creator economy yeah. uh, perspective. So I loved the concept. It was, uh, just kind of bad timing with, uh, with a lot of just lead times with manufacturing yeah. and whatnot that the company never kind of took off. But again, just working in that kind of fast paced, exciting startup, uh, yeah. space was just really, really special. If you're even remotely plugged into the short-term rental community on social media, you've probably watched your fair share of reels and read more than a handful of threads on why direct bookings are so important for building your hospitality brand. But direct bookings are really only powerful if you own your guest data, giving you the opportunity to communicate with them on your own terms. And the reality is that most STR hosts don't have a sufficient enough list of past guests or prospective guests to be able to justify the investment that building out a direct booking strategy can require. But the team at StayFi are trying to change all of that. StayFi enables you to create a custom branded Wi-Fi splash page for your short-term rentals Wi-Fi, similar to what you might experience when logging onto the Wi-Fi network at your favorite coffee shop. Safi enables you to collect the contact info of every guest staying with you, not just the one who booked, because who doesn't need the Wi-Fi? So if you want a frictionless way to capture guest contact info and empower your direct booking strategy with more data, sign up for StayFi at stayfi.com and use the discount code BTS for 20% off your first year. If you chat with the team there, be sure to tell them that Zach from Behind the Stays sent you their way. All right, folks, give StayFi a look. But for now, we're headed back to the episode. I like heard about the company, listened, read, like I had done mm -hmm. uh, some reading about it and was super, super excited about about the uh, about the prospect yeah. of it. I mean, it's just funny to now be able to talk to somebody that actually was like working on on, on that, which was which was amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, hey, fingers crossed that like, you know, we, we see it come to fruition at some point in the future. I still future believe in it. What yeah. a cool concept. Yeah. Like what a cool concept. And the fact that you tried it and it worked, amazing. Um, yes. I think, yeah, to your, to your point, probably just poor timing. Funding was drying up very right. quickly. Like it, it was just, it was a hard time to launch a capital intensive business yeah. like that. Um, yes. But uh, enough about, enough about Kena. So I, I want to hear a little bit about what you're doing now. So you, you have this, this, this great podcast. It's, it's very story driven. You listen to it and it, it, it feels like you should be like, you know, sipping a cocktail while looking out over like this beautiful, you're at a villa, mm -hmm. right? There's this beautiful sunset in the background and like the, the tone and the cadence and, and the, the way that you have produced the show, it just feels like a retreat to be honest. Um, and I'm sure that that's intentional since the name of it is staying good company. So talk to us about like where the brand came from and, and what you've learned so far hosting this podcast. Of course. Yeah. So it's definitely a, a concept that I've kind of developed over time and I will share that, you know, yes, while I am the storyteller, my fiance is the one behind the scenes who is the creative doing the website, the design, the photography, the videography. So it's, it's a really wonderful project that we get to work on together. And I think that it's really just speaking for how I like to travel and to build my own community. Mm. And it's a platform where I allow these owners of these privately run uh, boutique stays and experiences to share their stories. And I think podcasting is, is a nice challenge in the sense that you don't always have the, the different senses to mm. support uh, the visuals, the 
the scent, the the sounds and, and whatnot. And so I think, you know, when you're talking about places to travel and and stories of these places, really pushing them to share the senses, to describe the places, mm. I think is really important. And so that's where I really like to to tell these stories in a way that allows them to really paint a beautiful picture of their place and what it took to get it to where it is today and also what plans they have for the future. Yeah. I think that what's really unique about the podcast itself is that, or, or having these guests on is they're not used to sharing their stories. They don't often have a platform where they can tell their personal stories or mm. the sense of history in their place or be able to do so in a humble and kind of prideful manner. And yeah. so I, I try to create an environment where they can openly share their stories, the good, the bad, the ugly, the funny, and be able to speak proudly and kind of reflect back on all that they've built. Mm. And so it's, it's really, I think as much as I love hearing the stories and it fills my cup to be inspired by people like that, I think it's also really nice for the, for my guests to be able to reflect and to kind of manifest what they want for the future as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so well said, you know, when I first started this show, it we've we've grown a little bit. Um, but when we when we first started, we were doing um these these in person interviews actually because I was my wife and I were traveling full time, um and staying in different Airbnbs and and we as often as we could we'd like have an in person interview with mm -hmm. the host of these uh just remarkable remarkable spaces, and to 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 your point right these are people that have it's almost like they don't know how talented they are right or right. Or, or how exceptional you know, what they've, the product that they've built is. Mm -hmm. And, and when you sit down and, and, and you talk with them and you're, and you're asking them these, these questions that they're like, are people actually interested in this? Like, right. <laughs> like right. this is, this is interesting to you. And I was like, you literally have like created this absolutely stunning, perfectly curated French cottage in like this, you know, bespoke piece of land in Maine. Yes. What you've done is special. Like, do you understand that? Mm -hmm. And it, there's, there's such a humility from a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of these folks right which is which is what gets quite frankly what what got me so excited about my own my own podcast and and you know since then we, we we've grown uh in, in terms of kind of our, our areas of focus and whatnot but but at the end of the day the conversations i love i love most are i think the conversations that you like molly which is sitting down with somebody helping them kind of work through how they built what they built mm -hmm. and then sharing why you think what they built is significant like that's that's magical Right. And, and how they want their guests to experience it too, because they're not often sharing these stories when I go to visit them or when I want to ask those questions as a guest or get that tour, I think they just feel such pride in, in what they've built. And so yeah. I think that that's really special. And, and quite frankly, the, the whole idea of it stemmed from my own travels to these types of places. Yeah, I was, um, and, and I found that a lot of them, again, didn't share these stories or they were hard to find. It was, you weren't sure if these places were even credible. Um, mm. what, what really inspired it was my fiance and I were spending a few weeks traveling through Spain and Italy, just oh, wow. very like slow off the beaten path, off the beaten path travels where we were going, um, you know, in, in our little Fiat car driving <laughs> the, the hills and, not staying in these big cities, but staying in these little agriturismos, these little farm stays. And I remember doing so much research 
for these properties and they looked stunning, but at the same time, their, their websites were a little janky. I wasn't sure if the (laughs) credit card would go through. Uh, I wasn't sure, you know, if I would ever get an email back confirming. Um, but it was because these, they're just families living their multi-generational lives on these beautiful farms. And they're, they're the most welcoming guests or hosts when you go and visit them. And we actually, we're in at an agriturismo in Italy where we got engaged and oh, wow. it was just such a, a pivotal moment for us because we met the family there. We're still close friends to this day. We still buy their wine from them each year. Oh, my and God. we were making pasta with them, with their mother a few hours before having this sunset engagement, just the two of us. And then we felt like the whole town was there to, to celebrate with us. And, and just that, that's, <laughs> meeting all those strangers and having that special memory together, I realized this, these people deserve to share their stories and these, you know, being a guest in their home just felt so honored. And so that's where we really got this idea. You know what? There's so many other places like this where we can go and travel and meet them and get these stories out of them. And then people who like to travel like we do, where we don't want to stay in big chains. We don't want to stay in the sterile hotels. Yeah you get the authentic stories out of them. Oh, so, so well and and so beautifully said. Just quick, uh, quick follow-up to that. My wife and I actually got married in in a, uh, Italy, in, in Assisi, mm-hmm. and we got married in like an agriturismo. And it, uh, so as, as you're describing all of that, right, I'm like, right. I can I can picture it so freaking vividly. And like the same thing too, like when we were doing our research and like we were having, you know, friends and family from the States all fly there. It was like a big thing. And like the pictures were kind of like awful. The reviews were really good. And that's what right. like, and, and like, we're like, can we get more pictures of the, you know, and, and there's so little control that you have, like in, in the States, if you get married in the States, right, you've, you've, it, you know, it's, you've got a lot of control over like what specific kind of flower you want and what, you know, table setting you want and blah, 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 like all this stuff, right. For, for, for a wedding in Italy, it was like, they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just, just, just trust us. Like we got it. Right. And we were like, uh, you know, you sure. I, I, I distinctly remember Giovanni, this, this, uh, the gentleman that we were working with, uh, at the place where we got married, he, 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 I was like, so how much like for the alcohol, like, like how much like do I have to spend for like the wine? And he was like, I don't understand. And I was like, <laughs> Like, I, like, is there a price per bottle? Is it a price is per it person? Cash bar? Like, is it yeah, a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, we have plenty of wine. Don't worry." Or and it was like that. It was there was literally like one price for every, and it was yeah. it was just so different from what we experienced here in the states. But to your point too, we get there, and then and then him and his family, they were all a part. Like they joined in at like our wedding party, right? right. And like they had it. Like it was just this beautiful experience where to your point, you, you have this like deep connection with somebody that you've never met before during one of the most important days and, 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 and weekends of your life. And then it's like, then you just leave. And like, it's like, how, how do you articulate the experience that you had here with this individual to folks who weren't able to make it? And it's right. really hard to do that. So what you guys are doing is, is, is a step towards that, which I just think is so exciting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I love that you've had a similar experience like that. And it's, it's again, having these individuals there in person just allows for that candid conversation and these yeah. spontaneous moments together. And it just yeah. makes the experiences so much more mem- memorable. I am definitely a, a planner by nature. I like to be organized. I like to know what I'm doing when I've got my five-year plan, but at the same time, these travels, these conversations have reminded me to slow down and to just mm. let 
things happen naturally. If they want to take us on a walk, let's go for a walk. If they want to sit and have a coffee or tea for two hours, let's sit and hear their stories. And so I think that it's just, again, it's, it's unique. And I think that, you know, coming from a world of hustle and bustle and city living, it's, I've learned to appreciate the other side of it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Gosh. I, I want to pick your brain because you, in, in these conversations that you've had, uh, and these people that you've met, you've met a lot of folks who own and operate uh, boutique hotels, you know, boutique resorts, boutique, uh, you know, other sorts of accommodations. And I, I, there seems to be this like thing happening from my observations anyways, where a lot of folks who maybe their company had exits in 2020 and 2021, they're like newer to the hospitality space. They also like nice things. They also like nature immersed experiences. They also don't want to stay at like the big box hotels. They've come and they've said like, I'm going to create these new unforgettable, you know, unique experiences. And I'm going to get into like the short term rental hospitality game. There there seems to kind of be this like this moment that that has happened. Um, And it's cool to see these younger entrepreneurs coming in and and, and building these like truly, truly unique, you know, experiences. And I've been fortunate enough to to talk with many of them on this podcast. But what's happening from what's happening now, I think, is some of the best ones are now saying like, all right, I'm trying to graduate from Airbnb, you know, uh, or Airbnb collections. And I want to do a boutique hotel. Like, that's what I'm getting. Like, I get DMs. Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Like, know anyone who could help with this or know know how I could raise money for that or whatever. So there's certainly this, like, interest, right? In, 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 in building new, new, new hotels and, and, and new hotel brands. What are, what are some of your, like, hot takes or, or, or what, what lessons have you learned and, and observations have you made? around sort of like the next generation of boutique hoteliers. Oh, I love that. And I'll tell you, and this is not really a secret because I'm trying to, again, manifest it and just put it out into the world. I want to be that person too. My, my ah, fiance amazing. and I, I think that's part of our long-term kind of uh, life goal is that in having these conversations and being inspired and learning <laughs> from these people and in traveling the the country, the world, we'll be able to find our little piece of it that we want mm. to then host guests. So yeah, I, I love these conversations because it's it's not only allowing me to learn about their own stories and, and what they've gone through and kind of how they've transformed their careers, their livelihoods, but it's inspiring me to one day when the time is right, when the place is right, to go off and, and do that as well. So so definitely, you know, appreciate all of the lessons learned there. But I think in, in all these conversations and as a guest myself, it's, it's really that personal human touch and that Mm. local community touch. That's Mm. important. I think I used to be a points collector where I was racking up the airline points, the, the Marriott points. Uh, but then I just realized how sterile it was, how everything was just automated Mm. And there was no, again, this was during the height of my travels for my corporate job. And there was no personal connection. There was no cultural connection. Uh, there's no richness to it. And so I think now I've transitioned to, I want to go out of my way to stay at these properties to support these individuals mm. because they, they, they deserve it. And I think that, you know, it, it might be a little bit more expensive upfront or, but your, your dollar is going towards these individuals, their livelihoods. They're giving you so much more than just 
a bed to sleep on. They're giving yeah. you that free glass of wine, that yeah. enriching conversation, that special tip or trick to go off this, this hike or trail, uh, yeah. that no one else knows about. And so I think that that's just, you know, where you have the chance, even as you grow and scale from an Airbnb property to multiple to a boutique hotel is to keep it personal, to keep it human, to have that kind of table touch where you're going to every person, you or one of your team members and getting to know them on a personal level, knowing what they want and kind of recommending things that they, that might make them go out of their comfort zone. Uh, but I, I do think that that's really important. And then just again, kind of showcasing your local community too. I think mm. a lot of what I learned in a, what a lot of these places have done so well is they've tapped local artists, other entrepreneurs and highlighted culinary and just different farmers, artisans, different craftspeople. And it allows a person, a guest to experience a sense of place so much yeah. more because you're getting to interact with other community members that you might not know to interact with otherwise. So I think the more you can tap into your local community and bring them into your project, the more they'll believe in your project and advocate for you and, and tell their family and friends, but then also your guests just get to feel that sense of place so much more. Last minute cancellations suck. And that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. I think I think when you bring in other community members, other entrepreneurs, uh, other craftspeople into into your project, there there are also magical things that happen, right? Mm -hmm. You might find out. I was talking to somebody recently who found like there's a there was a Michelin star chef who was working in the city, but had like been trying like wanting to move uh, somewhere a little bit more remote and and you know just have a little bit of a slower pace of life. He was burning out, and ended up connecting with these folks, building really cool experiences, uh, truly kind of like one luxury, like one of a kind escapes. And they were able to work together to have him come and have like a restaurant uh, at, you know, a, you know, a small sort of like, you know, a restaurant, but like a, a restaurant at, at, at their at their place. And like it, it worked out that, hey, they, you know, they, the deal that they worked out, he gets a rev share of, of the nightly rates uh, that folks are saying at plus, of course, you know, uh, whatever the, the actual meal costs and in turn. From my understanding, it was at close to, if not what he was making in his previous life, but with way less stress and finally getting to do something that he really like 
totally own the experience, right? From from soup to nuts, right? And be vested in a business that's greater than just his his restaurant. And so all these really cool things can happen when you find the right people, you have a blank canvas and you build together. And it does seem, I think you're spot on it. It does seem like this next generation of folks that want to go build these boutique hotels and really want to help, you know, create a new travel experience, a new hospitality experience. These are these are folks who are going to build that on the backs of very very strong partnerships with people that are experts in disciplines that that they're not necessarily experts in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I think that what's so unique is it, it brings authenticity, it brings credibility to what you are building, and it there's those surprise and delight moments for your guests too. I I love when I visit places like that where they have local pottery or they make their own wine or they have a cookbook from their community. I always want to take a piece of that with me back home. Mm. And mm. so as a guest, I can say that those types of community building activities or experiences or products allow your guests to then take it home and share it with their family and friends over additional memories or conversations. And so you're just building your community beyond even what you can see in front of you. Yeah. Do you, are you familiar with the lost kitchen? Very, very familiar. Okay. Yes. Very familiar I, with the lost kitchen. I have not, uh, been, but we've, uh, been to Maine several times. We actually just got back a week or two ago and we were in Arcadia and oh, uh, it's just, I wanted to go, but I think they were closed for the season. Yeah. It's, it's stunning. And it's like, it's like impossible to get into unless like you fill out the postcard and for, for our right. listeners, this is, I think I've talked about this on the show before, but there's Aaron French, this, this incredible chef who has this like restaurant in Freedom, Maine. She was, I think she was working in the city in, in New York. She at a restaurant, she ends up cook, going back to Freedom, Maine, um, building this just truly, truly like remarkable experience. And the only way to like get a reservation at the restaurant is you have to like submit a postcard in like, I think it's April 1st uh, every year. And then they draw postcards ra- at random and then invite you to come to the restaurant. And Freedom remains like in the middle of nowhere. Like there's like mm-hmm. nothing else like around it. And, and yet, and, and then, you know, you're paying a, you know, a premium for like the best meal in, of your life. And anyways, my point in bringing this up is if, it's so freaking hard. They do have an HBO show now too, which mm-hmm. I'm sure has, has, has helped. And that's how I actually, well, I, I won't go into that whole story. Anyways, point being that like, if that kind of a concept can work, right. Mm-hmm. That's, it's only proof that people are willing to pay top, top dollar. People are willing to spend more than they would spend at a top rated Michelin star restaurant in New York city in a remote place in freedom, Maine, because of how special and unique that experience is. And the next generation of travelers, they don't care about like, you know, Zagat or, or Michelin star. Like, of, of course they do to an extent, but if you can offer something that's at a caliber, even above that, right? And is something that is covetable because it's really hard to experience or encounter for the average person, that that's what people want, right? right. And, and, and and that's what I think the people that like you you interview are are building. Right, well, and it's, it's that full immersion into that sense of space too. So mm. you're not just trying good food by an acclaimed chef, but you're fully going on a journey to get there. And mm. it's that whole story that, that builds up. And actually speaking of, of the last kitchen, she, uh, did a collaboration with a good friend of mine and, and podcast, uh, guest Devin Finnegan, who is also a chef in Maine and has started her own, cottage concept called Aragosta. So she has, again, these, these chefs are working together. They're working with their local farmers, their oystermen, their fishermen, 
to create these bespoke experiences that, you know, you and I can get access to if we just look out for it. And if people hear about it from conversations such as this. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think like a lot of people that listen are listening to this podcast too. Like they've developed really, really cool, unique stays. And like, because of Instagram, quite frankly, you've got people that are flying and, and then driving to like the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, or mm-hmm. like the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, or w- like, w- like places where people would never have thought to travel before because somebody created this absolutely stunning cabin, right? Or, or grain silo or like whatever it is. Right. And, and they talked about it on Instagram and they've got a hundred thousand followers and now like, and they're, they're fully booked out a year. Like we we've graduated from this like moment where people, when they travel, they, they just went to the cities or like popular, like, you know, beach destinations to a place where I think you and me and, and this next generation of travelers, once they do have, you know, some disposable income, they're more interested in spending that in places that like are are less obvious almost like like un, like unexpected everyone knows what they're going to get when they go to florida everyone knows what you're going to get in san diego and that's great like no you know knock against florida or san diego it's just expected i have no idea what like winter in wisconsin is like at a lakefront property right like that sounds kind of interesting. I wonder what that's like. Like, let's let's go test it out, right? And, and and so it's just funny to see kind of consumer preferences shift in this respect. What what other observations, if if any, have you had about kind of how you travel and or how how your community and your your friends travel? Well, I I love that you said that because I think it is so different than going to the places, the the, the museums, the tourist attractions, that whole. Instagram versus reality has gotten to us where, you know, you don't want to stand in line and you don't want all the people in your backdrop. You want to meet the people you want to make the food. You want to learn where it's grown. You want to see the history and walk the properties that are centuries old and have Mm. all the storied history. And so I think that, you know, in, in these more authentic travels, you get to really experience that sense of place beyond just watching a documentary or going to a museum or seeing it on, on a computer screen. And so, yes, I, I mean, I think that the podcast helps in telling those stories, but I think there's a lot more that we can do. And that's what excites me about building this community is, is how to get people out into these places and to be, to be meeting these people who are building them. I think that one other thing that's really kind of unique, at least in in the way that I travel and and my guests travel is the sustainability of it too. Mm. I think that there's a way that you can travel and see the world and really have that, that broader perspective, but do so in a mindful way. So you're not extractive. You're not just taking resources. You're not just, uh, you know, going to five different cities within a week you're yeah. slowing down, you're investing in the local communities. And a lot of these places that I have conversations with and that I, that I try to visit myself are very sustainably minded. They've lived on the land for generations or they're new to the land and, and see what harm has been done and they want to regenerate it. And mm. so there's a lot of sustainability practices that these people put into place that they might not speak about unless asked. And yeah. so that's what I love having these conversations is I get to learn all these different practices on how they're living sustainably, whether that's through the the land or how they built their 
their property or again, how they're reinvesting in their local community and the economy. Uh, yeah. but I think that every time I learn something, I take something away that I can incorporate into my own day-to-day -day life. And so those little daily habits that I pick up from my travels can go a long way. And I think that if people have that open mindset and that learned mindset that they too can then just make those little changes back at home. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, so well said. So as we are in a new year and there's uh, a lot of hope uh, on the horizon, there's excitement, maybe there's some trepidation and fear. Uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a sucker for, for a good new year. Um, and, and a calendar change. Talk to us about like what, what staying good company is, 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 going to be focused on in 2024 like what do you what what are a couple goals you you manifested something that's you know a little <laughs> bit out further future, out yeah. right of of becoming a boutique hotelier yourself but like uh, talk to us about the, this next year like what how do you plan to evolve the the community absolutely well we are just a year old so i i've definitely i mean looking back on the the 50 plus episodes that we've had and the you know even more people that we've met and had conversations with. I'm so humbled to have had such a, a broad perspective of stories mm. shared with over 20 different countries and whatnot. But I think that this year it's, it's really continuing to build that community and to experiment too, outside of just the podcast itself. My, my fiance, again, behind the scenes, you know, we, he does photography and videography. So we are excited to get out on the road, to be mm. seeing these people in person to be helping them share their stories in ways. And because of my, our marketing backgrounds, we can help them. You know, they might not yeah. have a beautiful website. They might not know how to nece necessarily manage their social media profiles. We can help them in that way, uh, yeah. through different consulting and, and just different, uh, best practice sharing, but then we can help them to, to put on that appeal that we know mm. is authentically there. And yeah. so that, that's one thing I'm excited about is just going and actually helping these, these properties, these people beyond just sharing their stories on the podcast itself. But then because we have these different channels, these different mediums that we want to explore, we want to grow our community of listeners. So that's not just a podcast that we can share videos. We can yeah. share workshops or travel meetups. Uh, we can have our coffee table book. Um, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> we have a lot of ideas. Uh, I think now that we've kind of built consistency it's it's time to start to get a little more creative yeah oh that's so exciting um and you know one of the i just had this this thought molly as you were talking about helping these these individuals um kind of you know more authentically share the beauty that you see when you encounter their their properties it's so funny because like when you think about instagram versus reality it's always like oh, well, when you go to, the, you know, it, it's often the case that the photo looks better than, than reality. Right. And I feel like the inverse is true for a lot of these, these properties, these right? It's like properties. these smaller properties that have, especially like ones in like Europe, right? They've got this incredible like storied history and you go to their websites and it's, they just, just, just like, just it looks dated. horrible. It's just so <laughs> dated. It's very impossible to see. And like, even their Instagram, like, I don't know if it, it always translates perfectly you know, in terms of like what people expect from Instagram in, 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 you know, more remote places in Italy, let's just say. Right. And, and yet when you're there, you're like, oh my gosh, this is, this reality is a thousand times better than Instagram. Right. And in what other, like, you know, category and world and in and, and context is that is that true right and so I love what you guys are are trying to do here and I just wanted to kind of like double click on that because I think that that's 
that's special, right? If you can actually help reality be better portrayed digitally so that more people can come and invest their resources into these local communities, then you've done something just totally incredible for that family, that community, and more. Well, and I think too, these these individuals are so focused on the day-to-day operations and that's what makes them unique than mm. these bigger corporate chains is they don't have a whole de- marketing department. They don't have yeah. all of that money to invest in their social media, in their PR, in their promotion. And they're just busy tending to their guests and pouring the coffee and fixing the door. You know, they're really invested in the day-to-day operations. And so for us to be able to come in and, and sit them down and to share their story and then to offer up that additional experience and guidance, I think can really help them to just be more authentic and reach so many more people and be able to, to be proud of, of what they've built. I think that, you know, it's, it's hard for people across the world to necessarily see that right now, but if we were to go and to, to support them in that way, then it'll go so much further. Yeah. Well, Molly, this has been a, a beautiful conversation. I I really enjoyed hearing a little bit of your story, uh, hearing more about what is, is coming down the pike for staying good company uh for folks listening into this chat i will have links to molly's website and the of course the the podcast and the show notes below so please go check them out uh go check them out on social go check out the podcast i've listened to several episodes there they're again very well done very beautifully edited and um that certainly better better edited than, than this show. So if you can tolerate this show, you can you, you you'll love uh, staying good company. So Molly, thanks so much for for your time. Is there anywhere else you'd want to direct folks to, or uh, any sort of like parting words for for listeners before we sign off here? Oh well, thank you for that. I, I think that we're both building such like minded communities, and so and, and I feel like there's such an abundance mindset between the two of us of you know, being able to share these mutual stories and build these broader communities and share best practices. So I would just welcome anyone to that's interested in connecting to please reach out. I'm again, available on LinkedIn, all social media channels, and then at stayinggoodcompany.com. So I look forward to hearing from you, any advice or recommendations you have, or if you need, uh, if you need it yourself, like I said, um, just more than happy to share in, in the wealth. So thank you. Wonderful. Well, Molly, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Behind the Stays. I'd love to know what you thought of the episode. Feel free to shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com, or find me on X, formerly Twitter, at ZBoozy, that's Z-B-O-O-Z-E-E, or on LinkedIn at Zach Cruz. If this is your first time tuning in, it's a pleasure to have you, and we hope to have you back again soon. If you've been a listener for a while, though, I'd greatly appreciate if you could subscribe and then leave us a rating and review of the show wherever you are currently streaming this podcast. Last but certainly not least, Spontaneous and Behind the Stays are totally bootstrapped, and my ability to bring you these stories is only possible because of our incredible advertising partners. We're very much a startup show, and while our growth rate is amazing, thanks to all you who keep tuning in and sharing our show with your friends and family, we haven't quote-unquote made it yet. So if you could do me a huge favor and go and check out the sponsor for today's episode in the show notes below, I would greatly appreciate it. Even if their offering doesn't make sense for you right now, sending them a quick message on social or an email, just saying that you're listening to the show and you appreciate their support would be incredibly amazing. 
All right, friends, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day and we will see you on the next episode of Behind the Stays.